Hi there, everyone. Welcome to the Women Wired for Wellness podcast presented by Holistic Icon. I'm your host, Dr. Nisha Chalam. This podcast was created to fulfill my obsession for the understanding of why we struggle with symptoms, the science behind them, and the reason why most women suffer for years before they seek solutions for their troubling symptom. I'm also very passionate about teaching both my patients and people who come in contact with us as it helps me empower myself and them with knowledge. What kind of knowledge are we talking about? The knowledge that our health is probably the one asset we all can control. This control begins with knowing all that has been known about it. It is not simply about knowing a disease and considering medications as the only option, because that might be the only option when you are nearing death. But to truly live a fulfilling life, we need to know how to tap into our innate nature to heal and all the possible qualities, including developing grit, passion, and consistency. If this podcast has helped you or opened your eyes to a different path, please take time to leave a positive review. And if you felt we fell short somehow, would you let us know how to improve it? Now, without any further delay, let's get on with today's podcast. Truthfully, this is one of those podcasts I don't think needs a real big pre-intro or pre-introduction because tension of the mind, body, and spirit is something we all understand. But a lot of problems arise in identifying this is because most people are not open to the concept that it may be affecting them. And in my years of practice, my most challenging patients have been the ones with chronic pain, whether it be back pain, migraine headaches, endometriosis, um, irritable bowel. It's almost the absolute belief that they have a problem that no amount of pain medicine, no amount of back injections, no amount of physical therapy will actually help. And in a way, they are right. Because tension myositis or tension myoneural syndrome or however else you want to name it is something that will get resolved only with awareness. Awareness of the rage that we carry within ourselves. Awareness of the rage that we have bottled in ourselves. So in many ways, this is a topic that I think is applicable to just about everyone. If you have a condition that no matter how, what medication you take, you still don't feel great, you don't feel up to it, and you don't feel like you're getting any resolution, maybe you have to delve a, delve a little deeper into what might be inciting this whole uh, pain or medical state. Maybe you have to step back and try to bring an awareness that maybe you are bottling in a lot of rage or not letting go of a lot of rage. When we have broken lives, we have broken bodies. And when I talk about broken lives, it's when things don't go as expected. When there is a a a loss that you think on the surface you've overcome. And when you feel a certain amount of personal disappointment, it is not too far-fetched to say 
that some of these things manifest into physical problems. And that's truly tension myositis syndrome. I think the bigger challenge is how do you resolve it? Resolution really requires us to seek help. And hopefully, if one of you who's listening to this podcast, your life changes because of this, please reach out to us and let us know. But before we get into the podcast, I just want to say a word of gratitude to Steve Osanich, who did a phenomenal job. You can see he's just a gracious man, very authentic, and tried his level best to explain to us why we need to be in the moment, just be. And we may be in any of those personalities we discuss in this, the type A, the type T, or the type C. And to understand what they are, you got to listen to the podcast. But no matter what personality type you, you are, just having, bringing that awareness, working with the right coach, and getting better is really the message of this podcast. And I really want to thank Steve for doing such a phenomenal job of making it such an interesting interview. So once again, without any delay, here is our podcast on tension myositis syndrome or tension mind, body, and spirit. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon, Dr. Chalam and Marina from Holistic and Integrative Center of Novi. And uh, I know we're a couple of minutes late because it's always the technical issues, right, that always get us. So today is going to be an interesting topic. And as you know, we like to talk to people from different walks of life. And Steve Ozanich is uh, what they call a TMS whisperer. When you go to his website, Steve Ozanich, is it .com, Steve? Yes. All right. Um, he is a mind, body, spirit consultant. Now, here's a few things that I did get off his website, which will be a part of his intro. Is He says, um, healing comes from gathering knowledge and deepening awareness, not from medical science or outside intervention into the body. And really, one of the things he says is treat the person, not the disease. And medical practitioners have strayed from treating people and have turned toward treating only their symptoms. Personality is the most important cause in suffering and imbalance. So thank you, Steve, and welcome to our podcast. And thank you so much for doing this. Ah, thanks for the opportunity to spread this message here. You know, the, the reason I'm here is because of you. Thank you. Yeah, we, I, I, we've been talking for, I think, a couple of years now on and off. And um, so I'm really glad that at least this has come to fruition where I can actually talk to you. And just so you guys know, he's also the author of a book called The Great Pain Deception. And any of you struggling with these chronic issues that no one's been able to solve, or you've been eating healthy, you think you're doing everything right, but you're just suffering. I think that's a great book. And it's really about faulty medical advice that is making us all sick. So Steve, why don't you introduce yourself from your perspective? Are you um, in the medical field at all? No, I'm not. I just had suffered for 30 years of, uh, through just about everything, I think. It started yeah. with rheumatic fever when I was a seven-year-old boy. At that time, you did need the medical system, I'm sure. Well, at that point, I remember the doctor saying, oh, you might die. You might die. And that's in my head, you know. For a seven-year-old, that's something to think about. 
Yeah, well, for anybody, exactly, but a seven-year-old. But, you know, I know now it's a gnosis at some point. It's a deep knowing beyond wisdom, beyond knowledge. It's a knowing that I gave that to myself. I have no doubt about it. You know, anxiety. Soften mm. that heart valve like that. And then my back pain started as an early teen. And uh, that crippled me about 13 and a half, 14 years old. And then I had the normal other things I suppose people have. But as I look back on it now, after finding Dr. Sarno's work, it was all from mine, all of it. And I've been healthy for 19 years now. So tell me about your back pain. When you said rheumatic fever, I know it's an infectious disease. And, you know, there is an antibiotic. You get resolution if you catch it early enough. But what about, why did you have back pain as a teenager? Tension. You know, the team, no, you didn't play sports, nothing? I played every sport. Okay. I think that's why all people play sports and relieve the tension <laughs> at some point. But, um, you know, Dr. Sarno had told me and a couple of the TMS physicians, you know, that the infections are incidental findings, that the tension and the stress cause the sore throats. And then afterwards, the infection will come in. Because they'll get rid of the infection with the antibiotics. It doesn't solve the problem. And so, you know, the back pain that I had for 30 years was from tension. So when you say tension, did you know you had tension? No, that's the thing. You know, that's, there's where the suffering really comes from in life. When we identify with our mind, when we think we are our thoughts and we are this person. It took somebody like Dr. Sarno to come along to show me who I was. Right. You know, you're angry. I, I had no idea because everyone said, Steve, you're always such a nice guy. You know, they've always said that. And that's the problem. You know, we talk about superego persona, things like that. We bought into the notion that we are this person that we're pretending to be. But when you start to show you who you are, it all starts to unravel. Mm. So let me go back to the statement that you said, you know, the infection is an incidental finding. And this is something that I've known for years in my practice. When people come to me with a sore throat or a common cold, I never ask, where did you get it from? Or how are you feeling? Or here's some pill. I always ask them, what's the stressor in your life? Yes. And, you know, it, it had huckered to me every time, even for myself, when I, uh, I rarely fall sick, but when I do, it is always because I've accumulated some degree of stress that I didn't know where to, you know, how to diffuse it. Let me put it that way. I didn't know how to diffuse it. So my body gave me rest. I would fall sick and it would stay in bed for three or four days and then you get better. So a lot of times people believe that they have sinus issues, right? They'll say, I get recurring. I have allergies. I have sinusitis. So from what you know, I asked you whether you're in the medical field and you said, no, Tell me what was your journey into, because right now what you're doing as a consultant is you're helping people with chronic pain. So I want people to understand your journey um, without knowing, I mean, nobody here, none of my audience knows what's TMS. I didn't explain that to them as yet. Including so we're going <laughs> to, yeah. So we're not, when we haven't gotten to that, I'm going to have you explain it the best. Uh, number two, they don't understand what, does a person who's not in a medical field have, have anything to do with management of chronic pain? So we're going to go through that journey. Assuming you don't know what TMS is, tell me your journey of finding Dr. Sarno. And I know it's in your book, and I found it to be a very interesting story. If 
because we're going to take all our time here till people understand this, because I can tell you the number of patients who come to me with hip pain, back pain, endometriosis, migraine headaches, and I 100% tell them, what is your stress? And they'll say, I am perfectly happy. I can tell you everything is so good. I have no issues. You don't understand. I do have this. They've seen it in ultrasound. And this is where when I spoke to you and I actually saw your book, if you remember, my first contact with you was an email saying, hey, how do I actually get people to understand? Would you train me in how to bring this out from patients? And you, that's how you reached back. And you were gracious enough to respond to that email. And uh, we had a, I think our first conversation was a little over and I don't know, and close to two hours. We just kept chatting because this was getting more and more interesting. Nice. So we're going to start from you as a teenager. You started having the back pain and run us through your journey till you met Dr. Sarno. Sure. But I do want to say before I start that it's more than pain. It's all, all health problems. Yeah. People yeah. are healing from everything with it, diseases. I had a lady just drive into Ohio for last week and buy me dinner. Her, my book helped her get rid of her cancer. Oh, that's so awesome. I want to write a book like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's working. I can say that, but almost nobody <laughs> wants to heal, which is a big topic I think you and I talked about last yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. They want to, but they're so identified with mind, like you said, that, oh, no, not everything's going fine. You know, a, a typical case would be, Oh, you know, my, my hips started hurting so bad that I can't walk. Oh, help me. My first question is, when did it start and what was happening in your life at that time? Just like you're asking. Yeah. And I'll say, oh, there was nothing really going on in my life at that time, really. I said, really, nothing at all. It just suddenly came out of the blue. Well, my mom died. Do you think that has anything to do with it? It's like, <laughs> they can't put that together for some reason because it's outside of their awareness at some point. Ego will not allow that to be made. and so. There's a lot to know psychologically, but you, you don't need to get into the minutia of psychology. You just really need to want to heal, and it's, it's over at some point. But people do not heal when they get more attached to how they receive their emotional wound than to healing itself. They cannot let go of that somebody hurt them at some point, and they live that the rest of their life crippled. Like Dr. Sarno said, they've created a nation of the partially disabled people. They'll <laughs> limp the rest of their lives because they think, something's wrong with them. But in my case, it started the same way. I was an athlete and uh, my back pain came out of the blue, but I now know what caused it was the pressure from the whole community on me. You know, I was, I was a good athlete at that time. And uh, they kept saying, oh, you're going to do this and you're going to do this and oh, we're going to be this and we're going to win this. And pretty soon I couldn't walk. It, because like Dr. Sarno said, it is the self-imposed pressures that we place on ourselves to be good people and to perform well to never fail. And at some point, the deeper self doesn't want that. And it can't figure out how to get out of it because it's part of the fight, flight, survival response is what it is. And when the brain can't figure out how to run away from the situation or how to fight it, it creates these diseases or pains. Because it's, it's an insane defense, like Helen Schickman said in ACIM. Disease is an insane defense by the brain. It doesn't know how to figure it out. Is life energy turned back into itself again, which is not right, of course. And so the, the pressures I put on myself, because the world can put its weight on your shoulders, and it doesn't mean anything unless you take it on. Because so, I, I know people that roll out their back. It doesn't bother them. Yeah, exactly. That's what I 
has been asked. So what is the kind of person, like we all have pressures. I, I do remember um, growing up, there was a pressure to get into medical school because in India, you do only two things in the 1970s and 80s. You become a doctor or you become an engineer, otherwise you're a failure, right? These are the three options. Or a wife. Oh, or a wife. I mean, that was <laughs> not considered, that was given. Whether you became a doctor or an engineer, you became a wife. So at that time, the pressure was a lot because anywhere in the world, getting into medical school was tough. And a lot of time it was on merit. But I don't recall how, you know what? I take that back. I used to have migraine headaches. <laughs> Maybe migraine headaches was my way of dealing with it. But in general, there are some people, is there a specific personality that would have the stress and would manifest it into a physical pain as such. Ooh, exactly. And this is one of the great observations of Dr. Sarno. Okay. He, he noted it in his office with his chronic patients. These people tend to be, now not always, you know, not everything's absolute, but right. they tend to be uh, goodists. That's the first time I heard that word when I read it in his book, Goodism. You know, they, they wanted everybody to be happy. They wanted to be nice to everybody, all the way to the point of perfectionism, he said. And so perfectionism, of course, is uh, not possible. So it's almost neurotic in some way to be want to be perfect. But And then he noted that they pushed themselves very hard to succeed, to win, to do right, and that they were they tended to be anxious and maybe a little bit more worrying, you know, and so that was the thing that really pulls people into his work is the personality type that he had noted. And there's other personality types, of course. The type A is the you know iconic personality that Rosamund and Friedman had identified in 1959, the heart personality, mm. where they noted these people at the time was their enemy. They were always yelling about things. You know, they couldn't get enough things done fast enough. And they're the ones that had all the heart problems. But Dr. Sarno said the type T, which we call the tension builder, mm -hmm. They tended not to have that many heart problems, although some of them could cross over, like rheumatic fever, of course, which some of the other TMS physicians had, too. And uh, then there's a type C personality that uh, Lawrence LeSean had identified in 1964, the cancer personality, too. Oh, you know, wow. we, we tend to call it the you know, type T on steroids. When they get sick, they tend to uh, apologize to everybody around them for being sick. And so I guess maybe it's just different degrees. I don't know. But certain things attack different parts of the body, which is really wild. Now, the type T, uh, Dr. Sarno never called it a type T personality. He just called it the goodest personality. But somebody came along and labeled it that the tension builder. Mm -hmm. And it's the self-imposed demands to be good, to do right, to push, 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 push yourself. And that's the common, the most common personality type. And I see people healing from everything with this. Through the knowledge, but the knowledge is detrimental at some point. Mm. Detrimental. He called the knowledge the penicillin to this disorder. But what happens when you take too much penicillin? It becomes resistant. Resistance, yeah. Yeah, knowledge in the end is a great hindrance at the very end of this. We need to get rid of all that and start falling back into being. And so ultimately, to heal, permanent healing from everything will always come down to this presence work, this mindfulness work of living now in this moment, because everybody's lived in their head trying to do it right, repeatedly. They're stuck reading the books, uh, looking at lectures and constantly going over the material and they're not getting anywhere because they're locked up in trying to heal, which I, I've always said is the number one mistake. You, Let go. Yeah, yeah, trying to heal, because that's what your brain wants. 
Think of that phrase TMSing that Dr. Sarno created, which could be anything, you know, any type of disease or pain, as identical to obsessing, identical. You can interchange those terms anytime you want. Obsessing is what your mind wants. And what is it? Obsession is escaping, escaping this moment right now. You know, because of fear and anger, you don't, we don't like what we see. And we, we can't figure a way to get out of our daily situation. And so here comes the brain to do you a favor, as he said, to create a, a, an ulcer or a back pain or a migraine. Mm. And uh, that's the way to deal with it. And so we have to be very careful about trying obsessing on healing because you're playing right into the, your brain's strategy. And when they've contacted me, they've got 12 open books and they have, they've been to 14 different counselors and therapists and they can't see that their brain has pulled them into obsessing on trying to heal. Mm. But so falling back into being, as the Buddha called it, being, right? Into this moment, everything fades away. The ego fades away. As Eckhart Tolle said, focus on this moment intensely. Just become aware of everything that's around you just on this one moment. And then tell me what your problem is. Because you don't have one in this moment. It's yeah. something, the memory, or it's something the ego made up about the future. I've got to worry about the future. The future doesn't exist. It never has existed. It's always going to be the present moment. We're locked into this moment forever. Now, when we come to grips with it and accept it and see it through the lens of gratitude, instead of all the things that went wrong with me or all the things that can go wrong with me, everything begins to fall away. But up until that point, I need to say this too. Not everybody can jump into being and become an enlightened yeah, yeah. being within one moment. So there are intermediary steps that we need to take to get there, of course. Yeah. That can be anything, really, journaling, counseling, things like that. And also, we should say this, too, <laughs> that this is not an anti-doctor message. Yeah, yeah. It's not an anti-medicine message. It's, you know, we need good doctors. We need good healers. We really do. I mean, an ulcer is a mind-body event. It's a stress event. But if you don't have, if you don't stop that bleeding, you could die. Yeah. We need that. We need good doctors. So we need to say that right up front. The problem is, as Dr. Sarno said, it's not the modality. That's not the problem. It's the diagnosis. It's wrong. Your back pain's not coming from a herniated disc. That's 50 years old, that type of thinking. You know, every day doctors are telling them that herniated disc is causing your back pain. It is not. It is not. Neither is that arthritis in your bones in your body. These people heal like that. As soon as they become more aware, oh, wow, my brain wants me to think about these things. It's trying to escape this situation. But even so, for you, yes. when you started the journey, did you not think the same way? Like, hey, I do have a problem. Were you able to, like, I mean, your journey was 30 years. How many years from the time that you knew of Dr. Sarno's work and your resolution? What was that right. like? Right, well, 27 years. Um, of course, when I first found his work. Yeah. 1996 or 7 or 8, something like that. Okay. I re rejected it outright. Yeah. I had a paralyzed leg at that point. My left leg was paralyzed. I was dragging it for almost a year. Foot. It was paralyzed. It was paralyzed. They were sticking needles in it. There was no feeling. They were hitting a, that with the what's that rubber hammer called? It yeah, the tuning. Yeah, I'm a consultant. I don't know what that rubber hammer is called. <laughs> but yeah, my tendon detendon reflexes were gone, and they told me the whole time it was a pinched nerve, and it never was. It never was. It was TMS. There's no oxygen getting to the nerves and the muscles. Mm. And paralysis is the final result there. And they told me it would never return. And of course, it did. I run every day. I golf again. Everything's back to normal. So their diagnosis is wrong. 
You know, they look at them, they'll tell you, oh, it's stenosis there, it's crooked or something like that. It has nothing to do with the symptoms. We've all got that stuff in our bodies, all of us. You just put all the chiropractors out of business just now with that one statement. Oh, did you know? I don't know if you saw my wall of victory. I started. I did. I did. There's a chiropractor on the end of there, a really great man, Matt Lyons. Yes. yes. He, his testimonial he, was awesome. He, his speech, 23 minutes, he stood in Jamaica and nailed it point by point. I was astounded how much he had gotten from the consultations. And um, he uh, said last week, he, or a couple of weeks ago, he texted me and said, I closed my practice down. Mm, he's a chiropractor, right? Yes. Yeah. So basically for you, you started with the back pain and at some point it got so bad that you actually had paralysis of the leg and you actually had physical findings. The doctors could not get a knee jerk reflex. They could not get any sensations in that leg. And at that point, what were your treatment options? Well, at that time, if you remember my story, you know, uh, my wife had been, when I was married, she got permanently paralyzed from the waist down by a spinal anesthetic when our mm. first baby was delivered. Wow. You could imagine the rage that I had inside of my body, but a goodest will always, you know, just take it on and keep pushing through it. They'll never associate that. I'm crawling around on my hands and knees, unable to stand up. Because of that, and then a tornado wiped out our town, and my three favorite relatives died in a small period, and a doctor damaged my eyesight with LASIK eye surgery. Everything fell apart within a short period of time. Oh my God! <laughs> it's like duh. When it, when it rains, yeah, yeah, with forest, right? Yeah, exactly. And I called it the snowball effect, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so, when you when you're identified with mind, and you think you are these thoughts, and you are these things that are happening to you. You think your life's falling apart. And so you can't see it for what it really is. My life, I was angry. I was conflicted. Deep, deep, deep. I couldn't figure out how to get out of the situation, of course. And so the result was ill health. And so I, I found Dr. Sarno and uh, I rejected it. Like almost everybody does. About 15 to 20% of the people will agree to it. And I had to get worse. I got worse and worse. So I, could, I stopped eating at some point. I began to fade. I was down about 54 pounds, and I've never been out of shape in my life. And I knew if I was going to live, I've got to go listen to this crazy Dr. Sarno if I'm going to live here. And so I went back to it, and then it began to connect. Sometimes suffering is our only teacher. It's our only spiritual teacher. We're not getting the lesson the first time around. And I had to get worse and worse and worse until your suffering becomes so bad that it breaks that bond from mind, from this person you're pretending to be in this world, back into being again. And that's what I mean. We are pure peace inside, pure love, pure consciousness, the observers of this life. We get wrapped up in our ego. By the way, ego is part of the mind. Mm -hmm. The way we see things is the ego. That's what the ego is. It's a circulating thought process. The way we see things, if it, anything comes along that disagrees with that, ego rejects it. Like I rejected Dr. Sarno's work, the very thing that would save my life. Well, once I hit rock bottom again for about the fifth time, I went back and I began to open up to it. And uh, Was it that point where you said there's nothing to lose now? Yeah, and I think that's where I had to get to. 
And those are the people that contact me, by the way. You know, I've been to five surgeons and I've been to counselors and therapists. You're the last hope, Steve. I'm the last hope. You know, I'm the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> but I, I do remember in the book, I mean, it's been some time since I read it, but you had said you were very afraid of getting cut upon, like you didn't want to undergo the surgery. Yeah. And you decided you had to do something different. Sure. I mean, think about it. My wife was completely, permanently paralyzed from a needle. Mm. From a needle. Oh, that's I was, right. I witnessed that. Okay. I witnessed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, I had never seen one human being where back surgery worked. That is they, they I, as a doctor, I will say that too. They, it'll work for two years. Uh, well, they will tell you that it worked. Yeah. They'll say, yeah, yeah. oh, I say, oh, really pick up that bucket of rocks over there. Oh, no, 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 no. If you're <laughs> afraid to do things, you're not healed anymore. You know, and, you know, Tiger Woods is the greatest example. He just a couple of days ago, he withdrew again from the Arnold Palmer Classic with neck pain this time. Mm. And those first surgeries he had never worked. Although he's on he's on the news today saying, oh, my back's greater than ever, but it's my neck now. That's Dr. Sarno's symptom imperative phenomenon, one of the greatest observations in medical history. It, it did not work. It moved from his low back to his neck. That's neck. All. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's brain true. change strategies. That was all. And so he's not quite getting, I feel bad for him. I'd like to get a hold of him somehow, you know, but. Ask Joe Polish to connect you. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Joe. You know, he helps every single time. Yeah. 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 His work helped him in his life. Yes. Yes. And, you know, one of the things, so you had gotten to this point and you, what about the fifth time when you heard Dr. Sarno, what clicked? How does, I mean, how does somebody know, hey, I'm ready now. And I have a different option. What clicked in that? Oh, that's a good question. It's a good question. You know, I don't even think about those days anymore because I live mindfully in the moment today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're, you're going to be helping other people who are just listening to us, exactly. who are struggling with pain, who are struggling with chronic issues. Exactly. And, exactly. and walk around thinking, hey, I have all these medical problems, which I know. I mean, I do medicine. I do blood tests. I do see inflammation. But deep down, when I'm talking to them, I know they're not living their lives authentically. They're living their lives to be accepted. Yeah, well said. Perfectly said. Exactly. You know, that's it. You know, we, you and I talked about Anita Morjani, which we can talk a little bit more about her. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, mo the moment, you know, uh, the, this personality type, and it, it does come from a personality type, is mm -hmm. very stubborn. <laughs> it's deeply internally stubborn. They're very good at what they do. I work with some amazing people around the world, like Joe Polish, you know, and actors and actresses and Congress people and professional athletes. They're great at what they do because of that inner stubbornness at some time. But that can also be detrimental as well. And so for me, it was a series of little truths that I would see popping up, like laying in bed and having the pain spike through the roof. You're not even moving. You're in a deep sleep and boom. How could that be physical? How's that figure? It's, it's coming from the unconscious, you know? And then the stories that Dr. Sarno told about the people that healed and that the fact that there is not one single study in all of medical literature that shows that herniated discs cause back pain. Not one. And all of the studies prove that they don't. <laughs> and that everybody believes the unproven side. The same people who demand proof of TMS. It's, it's a mess at some point, you know? But if you, if you demand 
medical science to heal, you're in trouble. You're yeah. in trouble, you know, at some point. It is to treat. It is to treat an acute issue, like you said. You're bleeding also. We tie off the blood vessel. Uh, transplants are a great advancement that they've made. Right. I think Andrew Weil said it best, you know, Dr. Weil, that uh, as a doctor, I, I, I know they're looking at me to help them, and there's not much that I can do. I yes. can facilitate healing. You know, uh, you can try certain things because ultimately it's going to come down to your belief. That's exactly what it is. That's why I think, you know, this idea of the voodoo dolls are perfect because, you know, like Tiger Woods, he thinks that that stabbing helped him. But it did mm -hmm. not. Yeah. I always say the doctors, I mean, this, this is something that we've read and I can't remember who said it. I'm sure it's one of the great guys. But they said the doctor's job is to stand by and entertain while nature takes. I'd love to hear who said that. But that, that's, I think they've known that for hundreds of years at some point. I found a letter that, that Tom, the president, Thomas Jefferson, had written to a doctor. And the doctor wrote back to him. He said, oh, I've given more colored leaves, water-colored leaves to people. And they've healed. They thought that it was medicine. You know, you know, and so people often ask me, is TMS healing a placebo? And I say, well, it depends on how you define it. You know, if, a, if healing is based on belief, then yes, it is. Mm -hmm. But you have to believe that you're, nothing's wrong with you physically, and that it's a psychological process that's going on outside of your awareness, and you will heal. So belief is everything. And I think the most problematic thing in all of medicine, in my opinion, is the placebo effect. Because once it works, then people come back, oh, no, I did have a bad shoulder or a bad knee. I got a new knee there. And it's and they can't realize it jumped over to the other knee or the shoulder. It's just going to keep bounding around in the body until you deal with the cause, which mm -hmm. is conflict. The cause is a conflict within medicine. You know, yeah, th that's the hard part. This is so hard for medicine, right? Like, like I always say, I like people like you who do this work because you don't have a license to lose. But a patient comes to me with a bad knee, if I don't send them to an orthopedic who says you're bone on bone, you need that knee replaced. The other one is going to come about in two more years, you're going to have to get the other knee replaced. I have no courage to tell the patient, no, I don't think so. That's a you tough understand? one, you know, and I've always said the TMS physicians, there's only a handful of them that Dr. Sarno had trained. Right. They are brave people. Brave. Yeah. Because first of all, they lose their patients left and right. If they tell them, no, it's not coming from, you know, this, they get up and go find a doctor who will tell them that it's a physical problem. Yeah. Yeah. Then, of course, they always have the risk, like they've told me privately, you know, being called in front of the medical boards and say, hey, you know, and Dr. David Hanscom, he was a spine surgeon in Seattle. He had crippling back pain himself, had done thousands of surgeries, I think, and reconstructive surgery. And he found this work and healed his own back pain. Mm -hmm. And so he began telling people there's another way around it. Well, I saw him recently say, the hospital called me in and told me, stop talking to these people, operate, operate. Yeah. They don't want to heal you. They want to treat you. They want to treat right. you. So you're a brave person too. You know, that's why I'm here. You know, you're one of the few people that get it. The first thing you want to know is what's going on in the person's life. But, right. but the TMS doctors have also told me, most of the doctors wouldn't know what to do with that information because they're not trained in psychology either. So I don't know what good it does to get it from them other than, you know, send them to a psychotherapist at some point. Right. Yeah, well, our practice has a life coach who actually works with people. And a lot of them tell, uh, tell me that, you know, the one hour I spend with Kim literally 
changed my life. I didn't need to go to the psychologist and psychiatrist for the last 20 years. A lot of that is, and, and like you said, so just to expand TMS, it's tension myoneural syndrome. Or yeah, myositis yeah. Syndrome. You, you did ask me about how I got into this. I need to go yeah. back a little bit there. Yes. You know, uh, Dr. Sardo had noted in, uh, I think, the 1970s that the back surgery wasn't working. Mm -hmm. Head of the outpatient center at Rusk Institute at NYU. It's not working. He was so frustrated, he said. And so he started to look into their charts deeper to see if he could find something. And he noted his back pain patients, all they had suffered from many other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, problems, they always do. Yeah, allergies, skin problems, you know, yeah. stomach problems. So he started to talk to them more. And then he began to see the patterns forming. Mm. How all these people push hard. They worry. They're, they're controlling personality, stubbornness. You know, they all. A lot of them had trauma, of course, early childhood trauma, on the high on the ACE chart, right? And then he's so he, he he began explaining to them. You know, I really think there's nothing wrong with you, your body here. That there's something going on in your psyche that you're unaware of. And he said he was mystified was the word he used. That they began to heal right in front of him as he began to tell them that the awareness that there was nothing wrong, began to heal them. And so he wrote his book, Healing Back Pain, which really changed the world forever, that book, Healing Back Pain. It's the number one back pain selling book in the history of the world. And so um, he first called attention myositis syndrome, mm -hmm. myositis muscle, right? Yes. But then he began to note, as he got deeper into it, that it affected the nerves and the tendons. And so he changed it to myoneural syndrome. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end of his career, which was a 50-year career, he noted that it's affected the immune system and things like that. Everything, stress and tension affect the immunity. And so they began to phase that all that out for the mind-body syndrome, TMS, the mind-body syndrome. And that's really where it's at today, where his work is at. It's, it was revolutionary. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and, and you know, the, uh, the documentary, All the Rage, um, which um, I... I actually haven't finished it because I keep rerunning to look at what is what he does. What was fascinating is in all those, how many years did he practice? Did he say 50 years? Yeah, he was just about around 91 when he retired. So about 50. Yeah. Years. So for 50 years, he's never gotten a referral from a colleague. Yeah, that was and, painful to listen to him. He, blink, he was blinking quickly when he said that in the documentary. It was painful. Yeah. Now, one referral in his entire career from God. And yet he was helping people around the world healed by the millions. Right. And this, you know, this is where I think one of the biggest challenges in medicine is if something is not proven by the um, uh, double-blind randomized controlled trials, it is not evidence of a treatment, right? Yes. And I, so when he said that, and I look at the practices like ours, functional medical doctors, we have the same issue where we're trying to delve deep into the root cause. Now, the root cause doesn't have to be something physical. The physical part, when I do a blood test, the only reason I do the blood test is to engage a patient in their own care. Because when they see something tangible, oh, so I have a high cholesterol. So I'm going to get that done. And then we work on the other aspects. It's easier to get them engaged in their own health. Right. And he did the same thing. He said to me, Steve, I look at their charts for their benefit. <laughs> you know? 
yeah. if they're not if they're not dying and they need emergency care, of course, if they're not dying, it's pretty much a mind body effect. And so he would throw the charts aside, and the, the patient would say, "Aren't you going to look at those charts?" And he would say, "Do you want me to look at those charts?" And they'd say, "Yeah, you know." So he would look them up and go through them, you know. And then basically they start the same thing: what's going on in your life? What's your to me, the most important thing is the personality, like you mentioned when you first started here. That's it. But to the TMS physicians, it, it's, it seems to be their health history. Mm-hmm. That's what they want to go back to their childhood and look at point by point. That seems to be the biggest red flag for them. And so ultimately, TMS, the mind-body syndrome, which everybody has, by the way, yes, it, it's a diagnosis of exclusion. Mm-hmm. You can't look at the MRI and see a T and an M and an S on their body anywhere. You look on it and then you start talking to them. You look at the history and you, you deduce this. You go backwards and you come to a conclusion. You've got this at some point. And so, but the scientific studies, like you mentioned, you, you have to do this. You have to protect yourself and them both, right? But they mean nothing to me. You know, I, and I talk about that in my third book, Back Pain, Permanent Healing. I got deeply into the studies, you know, they don't mean anything. <laughs> they, yeah. they prove with great accuracy cause and effect, but they have no meaning to them. You know, and I, and the example is, you know, every time it rains, the ground is wet. So wet ground must cause rain. Mm-hmm. And they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars proving things that mean nothing, you know, at some point. And, and I even went to that guy at Stanford. Uh, his last name was Yonidas. He studies studies. That's his job, professor. Yeah. He said they're basically all worthless. Uh, he can prove it within minutes of how they're set up. How they're set up is very important because most of them are set up wrong. But then even then, if they're greatly set up, they're only proving this causes this, but there's no meaning behind it because you can't see love. You can't see fear. You can't see hate. You can't see conflict. Oh, that should not even be taken into consideration because I remember seeing a study that said um, uh, ulcers are caused by anger. Uh, ulcers sometime in the 1970s, and they proved that's got nothing to do with anger. And we're talking about stomach ulcers. Um, and now, of course, everybody takes uh, the Nexium, the purple pill. So there's no way to produce any acid, but we don't think about the implications of taking these medicines on our normal digestive system. That's besides the point. But in general, the way studies are done is they have to have a theory, right? They have a hypothesis. That's what we call. We think this does this. You go in, and if the study does not prove that this does this or A does B, then you weed out those statistics that actually shows that A does B. Because you've spent now millions of dollars doing the study to say that your hypothesis is wrong, that's not going to happen. And that's why we see a lot of these studies being redone, rewritten, recommendations being withdrawn. And when I got frustrated with that, aspect because there would be one when a study comes out saying this is the absolutely important thing for example hormone replacement therapy in women i used to sit for an hour convincing my postmenopausal women to go on hormone replacement therapy we call it hrt and then two years later they said oh people die of heart disease they have cancer you need to take them off and i spent another hour trying to get them off of it and then it came back, oh, no, hormones are not that bad. I'm like, you know, screw this whole thing. I'm not doing any of this. The individual in front of me is the most important. Their life 
is important. If their life is broken, they are broken. That's how I look at it. And that's it, exactly. And, you know, they are the healer ultimately. Yes. Whatever tends to please their deepest psyche is the healing mechanism. And, you know, Anita Morjani talks about this. You know, people often ask her, should I use, you know, chemotherapy with cancer? Should I use alternative? I'm confused, which everybody, yes. right? Yes. She said, go with the one you believe in deeply enough and see what happens there. You know, because ultimately you are the healer. I don't know if you saw last year in the international news, that guy that was in a wheelchair in England in severe pain. Every day he was on a morphine pump, pumping, pumping, every time the pain came up, right? While they gave him the new super pill, you know, the super pain pill, and he was up jogging. And they told him there's nothing in it. Nothing. Oh, no. They said, what do you want? Do you want the morphine pump or do you want the, the fake pill? He goes, I'll take the fake pill. <laughs> you know, so it's his belief. That, that, this is how powerful the mind is. It can kill us or it can heal us. Absolutely. Or wound us. In, in the case of chronicity, it's wounding us nonstop. And so yeah, I've seen people heal from just about everything. And the ones that I haven't seen personally, I've read about that they've healed from, you know, MS, Lou Gehrig's disease. There was a lady named Evie McDonald. You know, things are reversible at some point. Now, I'm not saying everybody can, and I'm not saying I can, but it's possible. You know, again, it comes down to their belief system. I always say that even when I went to our practice, when somebody walks in and has never heard of functional medicine, has never heard of an alternative uh, approach, another option to heal, they're not a good fit for our practice because they've come in with that the doctor is going to do everything for me. And it's a dogmatic system, right? The doctor tells me what to do. The doctor gives me a diagnosis. The doctor gives me a drug. I take the drug. I, my disease should be under control. When you come from that place and say, you know what? You are your best doctor and we're going to help you get there. I'm cuckoo at that point, right? Yeah. No, that's that's a, that. Dr. Right? Sarna said that too. You know, I, I try to have them stay with their general practitioner. Yeah. Once they send them off to the specialist, they're gone. Yes. They're gone. You know, and that's true because now they, they've subdivided the medicine into, you know, big toe doctor, next to big toe doctor, middle toe doctor, you know, and it's all one problem. <laughs> it's all one problem. You know, if it's not something that's bleeding or that needs stopped or whatever, it's basically from mind at some point. And so you really need to go to look at your life. Look at your life and start pulling back a little bit, reflecting. I, I have the people try to identify when your symptoms began. Okay. And uh, I had another one, another one just recently. You know, a little boy had died that, that this person loved, and she got migraines all of a sudden. Couldn't put that together. We get that together, you know, because it's outside of your awareness. You won't be aware of how angry you are. You won't be aware of all of these things because it's unconscious. That's what the word means. It's unconscious. And so at some point, if you want to heal, you can heal. But like I said, m most people that I've run into in the past 19 years that I've been doing this work, they do not want to heal. They want to get rid of their symptom. There's a big difference there between getting rid of your symptom and healing. In other words, they want to live the same life, continue to do everything the same way, react the same way, change nothing, and then get rid of the suffering part of the symptom. You can't do that. You have to heal at some point. And healing takes a change. And the change that I want people to make is perception. That's all. That's the only change that needs to be made 
to shift. And I've seen people heal right in front of me on Skype. They've driven into Ohio to talk to me here. Some of them have healed right in front of me because they were ready and they wanted to. The other people who don't want to, they'll start arguing with you. <laughs> oh, no, mine is different. You know, they're trying to exclude themselves from it. Or oh, you said this on page 173, but on one page 134, they're trying to find some way out of they're healing. trying to dig holes into the theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're trying to find a way out of healing. Because they want to be in the constant state of healing the rest of their lives. They don't want to be healed. I've created this word called healism. They want to be in healism. That's, that's it. That way I can carry all the old baggage, not change anything, keep doing the same things, you know, keep walking crump, crippled somehow, and, uh, you know, just and keep obsessing. That's it, basically. Obsession is the key here. It's the way out. The way out of the what I don't like, what I don't like, what I'm seeing right now through my daily lens, I want out of it. And if they can't figure out a way, the brain does the favors. Dr. Sarno said, "Here you go. I just did you a favor. Now you can't walk. Your <laughs> knee hurts. Or your ankle hurts. You know." So but we, focus on something more tangible, like the, the, the moment, have, present moment. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you have this emotional pain that you're not able to solve. Your brain is not able to solve, so it creates a more tangible disease process, and now you have something to focus on besides solving that pain or getting control of that rage. Is that what this is? And that's exactly what Dr. Sarno really did for the world, was to show them. They proved that clinically. It's not a theory. He, he proved yeah. it clinically, you know, for decades and decades of success, that your brain creates something in the physical body that you'll obsess and focus on and rivet your attention there and away from the cause, which you don't want to see, which you can't face at some point. You know, and then of course people will invariably say, well, oh, everything's going good in my life. And then a few minutes later they're crying, you know, oh, this is my lost my job and my wife or husband. And they don't can't see it for as it truly is. So awareness, I'll keep repeating it, is the healing mechanism. When you can see yourself for who you are and what's going on and pull away from identifying with mind and with your thoughts, that is the awakening. And it takes an awakening, which is just another word for awareness, I guess. Yeah. It takes an awakening to be able to heal permanently. Anybody can heal temporarily. You know, um, you, know you can do anything and feel good for a day, day or two, but it's always going to keep coming back at some point. I'm talking about permanent healing here. And so, yeah, you, you described it perfectly there. So if, if somebody is struggling with cancer, right, and the cancer is not treatable, do you think that's also coming from some form of TMSing? And all of this stuff that we talk about, environmental toxins and getting on medications, having been on hormones. I mean, there are studies that show these are at a higher risk. Do you think they're not relevant and this is really a form of TMSing? Have you seen cancer patients? Yeah, well, yes. And I would say it this way, that I've had people tell me that they heal from stage four cancer. Mm. Okay. But sometimes, like you said, it could be an outside element. I mean, if you're going to smoke every day of your life for 50 years, you're going to drink every day, you're going to eat asbestos for breakfast. You know, you can, I'm sure we can poison our body into cancer. I'm sure we can, right? If, if our immune system cannot, you know, keep up with it. But many of them, 
many, if not most, I don't know, I've never done studies on it, but many of them definitely are mind-body effects. And just talk to Anita. You know, remember we talked about this. The greatest thing about her book, it's a great book, by the way, is her book title, Dying to Be Me. Yes. It killed her because she was not herself. She came from an Indian culture, you know, and she wasn't allowed to express her opinion and talk. And then she wasn't allowed to pick out her husband. He was already picked out. She wasn't herself. That's the conflict that I'm talking about that's inside of everybody. And now she's out there expressing herself. She is herself. You can see how free that she is now. And how healthy she is. And I am too. I am more of who I was born to be now at this point too. I'm not conflicted like I was. I am. I am, which is another word for the word being. They're identical. Yes. Yeah, I am the other form of the word being. A lot of this is what we teach in yoga, right? Uh, meditation, they say just be in the moment. And people will always say, I can't meditate. My thoughts just flutter around. And sometimes... Now we have things like Headspace, an app like Headspace, where somebody tells you to do something and you're just doing it. A lot of times what being is in this moment, and I try it every morning. I get up in the morning and I'm going to say, I'm not going to think about my schedule this morning. I'm not going to think about my conversation last night. Right now I'm sitting here with my cup of coffee. Can I just savor the coffee? Yes. And a lot of times, let me tell you, it's the hardest thing. I'm drinking that coffee and I'm thinking about the conversation I had yesterday. Yeah. I'm thinking about the patient I'm going to see today. That's right? why it takes practice. Yes. Presence is not something you say, okay, I'm going to be present now. It doesn't work that way. It's like, I've used this example many times. It's like picking up a violin. You can't be a virtuoso at it. <laughs> yeah. It takes years of great practice to find the space in between each thought. And become more enlightened, more awake, more aware, more alive at some point. And I will tell you this, because the guy gave me permission to say this. He's one of the he's one of the better surgeons in the United States. He had hired me a couple of weeks ago and mm-hmm. he was having burning pain down here. Like that's very common, you know, the pressure on this people is amazing. And he said, I got into the moment. Stop, stop thinking about all the things that could go wrong and what happened here, what could happen. I got became more aware in that present moment. He said it disappeared within a moment. Oh. Yeah. And I said, can I tell people he said that? He said, yes, go ahead. <laughs> no, that is true. And then I tell you, that is the hardest thing for us as human beings. I see patients every day and I always ask them, today, this moment, what can you be grateful for? Forget about what you have, you know, going on. Everything is falling apart. People are saying things about you. What can you be grateful for? And that is a hard thing. Being Giving gratitude for the things that we have taken for granted is probably the hardest thing that you can ever do. This morning when I had a shower and I'm like this nice warm water and I look at, looked at my phone, it's minus six degrees outside. The first thing that came to my mind is what do homeless do on a cold night like this? We said really? that last night. I went to a musical concert with an amazing band called the Earls mm-hmm. of Leicester. And it was so cold. And we were going, what do homeless people do here? Because we could barely make it from the building. To yeah. The- and then they, as I talked to the band as they were leaving, they were on their way to Michigan, to Ann Arbor this okay. morning. And they told me, they, they said, they told us it was 75 degrees in Michigan. <laughs> they could have lied to us, they said. <laughs> <laughs> Always 75 degrees in Michigan. It's all on mindset. It's what you believe in. Exactly. Mindset. You know, in my case is a perfect example because that's why I wrote the book to serve as an example to people. If I can heal, anybody can heal. 
And I simply started golfing again. I started playing guitar again. I started living again in the moment. I stopped thinking about the life problems. I stopped thinking about the physical problems, all the coulda, shoulda, woulda, and started living in the moment. And suddenly one summer, I just remembered, I was going like this with my body. Hey, I don't have any symptoms. I started thinking back, when was the last time? I can't remember because I stopped thinking about healing. I stopped thinking about what was going on. I became present again in my life. And so people often ask me, when did it go away? I don't know. I don't know. Because it was my checking in on it all the time that kept it going. And Dr. Sarno had said that in 1989 in the book, Healing Back Pain. As long as you are preoccupied with what your body is doing, your symptoms will continue. But I wasn't connecting with it. I just kept being preoccupied with it. What's it doing? What's it doing? That's what it wants. Obsession. That's what it's looking for. If it's not on the body, it's on something else outside of the body, like extreme fitness. I see that all the time now. Yeah. They'll, they'll get rid of their TMS pain. And now every day they're worried about every calorie and every label. And you know that they're counting all the calories. They, they're still TMSing at some point outside of their body. Right. And, I, and women say that to me all the time. They say, if I don't exercise, I'm just going to gain all this weight back. So they just have to get to the gym. And a lot of times I think it is, again, it's a, it's a very constructive way because they're taking care of themselves in one way or the other. Right. right? I said that in the great pain deception. If you're going to, you know, obsess on something, obsess on good health. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So with you having been, um, you know, losing the weight, being paralyzed, what was what was the time frame before you realize this is something that I mean, being paralyzed is a serious thing. And the only reason you didn't undergo surgery is because you were afraid to. Yes. Somebody else in your position would have undergone the surgery and still would have continued it. And the doctor would have said, you know, your pain will get better and you will feel, yeah, the pain is better, but, you know. It will shift so, form into another form. So it's common to have a back surgery and then get an ulcer not long right. after. Because right. the brain, as Dr. Sarno said, the brain will not be denied. <laughs> if it's going to complain and moan somehow, it will find a way, whether you medicate it or operate, it just keeps shifting around. It's like trying to pick up mercury at some point. You can't do it. You have to deal with it, you know, and the best way to deal with it, in my opinion, is to accept your life as it is but through the lens of gratitude. Like you said, gratitude, 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 but it's more than just saying it. Oh, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my home. That's not what gratitude is. Yeah. Gratitude is a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's an experiential thing. Healing is not about understanding yourself better psychologically. It's about understanding yourself experientially. Who am I? Who am I? You know, and just witnessing this life as the observer. So when people are in pain, you know, of course, the number one question always asked is, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? That's always the question asked. It is not about doing. That's the problem. You don't want to obsess on doing. You know, it's about being appreciative again, being thankful, um, letting go, forgiving people in your heart, forgiving yourself in your heart, things like that. You know, I suppose you can call that doing at some point, but it, it truly is a matter of allowing healing because it's not about healing. It's about allowing your body to heal. Right. It, so it wants to be well. Right. So when you actually did, was there a time frame before which you said, okay, my legs are moving and my pain is gone? Or did it happen like it's gone? Like yeah, no. I was, uh, I would say about a year and a half. Mm. 
but I did everything wrong. You have to understand that I did everything wrong because I didn't have anybody like me to go to, or I, I didn't have TMS positions that I could go to. I had to try to figure it out. Mm. I was like, it was like you threw me into the ocean and I was drowning. I was flailing my arms and legs and I finally found the shore. And when I got to shore, there's a bunch of people there clapping, saying, you're really brave. I'm thinking, no, I wasn't. I was scared. I was, yeah. I was dying. I was very, very, very scared, you know. But, you know, people read the book and say, well, you were so brave. Well, if you want to see it that way, I was scared. And I figured out a way to do it. Now, after I healed, I went back and looked at what I did. I, I was the accidental healer. Mm. And it was by becoming more mindful, more present in the moment, you know, because you know, how are you going to get over all these traumas that happened to you in your life? You can keep digging at them for the rest of your life. It's called psychoarchaeology. You can keep digging and digging and digging. What does that solve at some point? So how do you even get to that point? Where, where, do, where do you begin? Like, let's say now that somebody listens to this video and says, okay, every um, ache, pain, disease of mine could be stemming from something deep-seated rage, deep-seated anger, deep-seated disappointment. But if I have no clue, because a lot of people I talk to tell me, I am happy now. These are all in the past. I've come to accept it. You know, I've come to accept the death of my mother or I've come to accept the death of my child or my dog or whatever it is. I've come to accept it. And it doesn't bother me anymore. But I know sitting in front of them, they haven't accepted anything. I, I, that, that's is what I do. You're, you're describing my business right now. You know, <laughs> denial is not acceptance. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's why I used to do one-hour consultations, and I realized they don't—they don't work. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll put up this false front for an hour very strongly. Oh, yeah, everything's going good. Oh, everything's fine. You know, they'll tell you everything you want to hear and everything they're supposed to say. And then I noted when they started to go overtime, like an hour and a half, they started to break down. The mm. superego persona began to melt away. They began to cry. And they began to say, oh, and they yell about their life, you know. And then, oh, we're starting to get somewhere. Mm. Because that's why we talk so much about superego and persona these false faces that we put on for the world. We have bought into the notion that, that we're actually this person at some point. That's, we need to break that away, break that bond and start to live as a being again. And so it's, a, it's a, an awakening, it's an insight. But I do three-hour talks now, three-hour consultations, because that's about the time it takes to talk about their life, everything, listen to them for a little bit, and then start, start to show them, look what you said there, look what you said there, look what you said there. They start to see themselves in a different light. And many begin to heal right there, sometimes a day later, weeks, months, depending. Depending on how much they want to attach themselves to not healing at some point. Because they are the healer. And if they can't get over something that happens, then they've, they've pretty much chosen their life. They've, they've decided, I'm going to live a life of suffering at this point. Is there a way to help those people, like the ones who have just accepted but they still come and find you, right? Obviously, they found you because they know deep down somewhere there's something different. Right, right. So, yeah, by the time they found me, they've hit rock bottom. It's pretty much the common email. I've tried everything. You're my last hope. And I always say, well, thanks a lot for that pressure. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. No, so I listen to them and talk to them because it really is about connecting. Mm. Now, that's one thing Helen Schuchman said in A Course in Miracles was that when you are healed, you're never healed alone. There's, there's love involved there somehow. 
And uh, I will talk to them. And if I think they need intense psychotherapy, which I've only maybe four or five or six people in the last 20 years that I really felt needed it. They had severe, severe emotional abandonment trauma, separation rage, you know, there. And I'm not a psychotherapist. And so I thought, why don't you talk to somebody? You know, it would help you here. It won't really heal you, but it will help, you know, in the process. Only you can heal you eventually. But it will help to get these things out and start to talk a little bit. And I don't know how to do that, those types of things. And so um, it's, a, it's a call on my part and whether to do that or not. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's their call. It's their call, right? I'll, I'll, I'll maybe suggest it, but it's rare that I would do that. People can heal. Anybody listening to this, if there's anybody listening to this, <laughs> you know, they can heal. You can heal, I promise. I had a lady right before Christmas. She had lost her hearing. Mm-hmm. And she said, I think it's TMS. I, I just wanted your opinion here. And because something happened in her life she didn't want to hear, you know, something traumatic. It's often very symbolic, by the way. Wow. And, uh, and I said some things to her in emails, and she emailed me right around Christmas or Christmas Day and said, I'm listening. I'm sitting here listening to Christmas music now crying. I can hear it. I can hear it. You know, and so anybody can heal. I really believe that. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it's bizarre at some point, you know, how consciousness works. Mm-hmm. I've seen people have heart attacks and wake up speaking a different language. How does that happen? <laughs> you know, or there was a guy who was blind and had a heart attack and he woke up from it and he was able to see again. You know, we don't know what's happening because we're not fully awake yet. But this is an awakening. This message, Dr. Sarno's message, and you're, you're a big part of this too. It's awakening the people. We're going to look back on the 1900s in medicine and see it, it was one of the dark ages. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Techno medicine came in, drug it, medicated, stab it, poke it, stretch it. That's not, it's not coming from the body. It's not coming from the body. Now, if a joint wears out, you know, if, like Dr. Sarno said, if the hip joint or the knee joint, it physically, mechanically is broken and it doesn't work, then you might need a new, new one. But most of them are unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's difficult because, you know, the only medical system that people go to, which insurance covers, is the traditional medical system that really tries to look for a physical um, sign of their problem. And then they give it a name and they blame it for all of the problems. And then they team it with either medication or surgery. And the patient involved believes that is the only option yes right that's all they can see they're aware of yeah right? they're yeah. brainwashed at some point but yeah you just basically that's what i say in my lectures almost exactly what you said right there and when they label it oh wow it's powerful now mm-hmm. my doctor said i have you know I, i've seen a few this this week uh chondro could chondritis or something where they were really yeah, costochondritis costochondritis yeah yeah. Oh man, it's just TMS. You know, I had that too between my ribs. I couldn't even breathe in. It hurt so bad. But yeah, the, the labeling of it. But they and then when people begin to catch on to it, they just switch the label. Again, you know, fibromyalgia. It's been around forever. They used to yes. call it galloping rheumatism back in the 1940s and 1950s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all over. But they've relabeled fibro. Now, when that wears out, I'm sure they'll come up with. They'll say we we we're understanding it better now. They're not, they're not really, because it's an emotional process. Fibro is an emotional process. I see those people heal all the time. 
Hey, yeah. it's it's Dr. Sarno said a more severe form of TMS. Mm. But you know, but TMS at the end of his life, he knew it was bigger than what he understood early on. I kept in touch with him up until he got too sick at one point and he stopped responding. But um he saved my life. Correct. 2017? When yes. did he die? Yeah, one day before his 94th birthday. Wow. Oh my. And one day before that film All the Rage was was published. So uh, to so if people want to learn a little more about TMS, they have right now your book. Um, which one would you recommend? Now you have three books because when we first started talking, you had only one book out, right? Yeah, it's The Great Pain Deception. Mm-hmm. That's that's the one that seems to be making the waves out there. And uh, but the the third one was called Back Pain Permanent Healing. It's basically in a long argument. Mm-hmm. About why the industry's wrong and why he's right and why almost nobody really wants to heal, even though they'll say that they do. Mm-hmm. You know, once you dig deeper into it, their unconscious patterns are set up just to prevent it at some point. And so the second book was a little small book I wrote in honor of him called Dr. John Sarno's Top 10 Healing Discoveries. Yes. I wanted to pay homage to him. And uh, it, he, he really liked it. I was very happy he really liked that book, you know. Yeah. Now, from here when he was 17 years old right here <laughs> oh wow i actually have given the second book to friends who complain of shoulder pain and back pain so, um, yeah the little one yeah yeah the 10 uh yeah this one yeah, that's the one yep that's the one i have and uh, a lot of it's because it's easier to read it's not overwhelming and yeah. it's a good start of if people want to understand more and then the documentary all the rage is also very interesting. It's a very um, casual documentary. It's not something that's made, um, what do you call it? It's not scripted. Um, right, right. And he, you know, he, he, he kind of changed the format at one point after he had so much footage, you know, to said, you know, how, doctors, how Dr. Sarno saved my life. Mm-hmm. Instead of being just about Dr. Sarno. And I said, you know, I understand that because it's about the family unit. That's really where everything begins. You know, how, how we see ourselves, how we react, how our personality begins to form is all within that family unit. And so I understand why he did that. It does come from that, from yeah. that aspect of us. And so, yeah, the All the Rage, I, I bought it when it first came out, of course. Um, if anybody wants to heal, um, I, I always felt that Healing Back Pain was the only book that I really needed as, of TMS books. Right. And right. I wrote mine to, to use his work to show how it worked in my life yeah 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 personal journey yeah yeah my my personal thing and that that helps with people to see a personal thing right and he he sent me an email about my book later on and he said steve your book humanized my work (laughs) which is what i wanted to do so it it came out well so yeah the great pain deception if you're not healing from the great pain deception or uh healing back pain or the mind body prescription was another good book of his then you're resisting at some point because there is enough, there's decades worth of information in there. You'll say, I read it five times. I read his and I read his. But when are you going to write another one? They'll ask me, Steve, when are you going to write another book? That one took 10 years to write. If that, those books did not help you, you've got to sit back and say, I'm resisting healing here. You know, I, I don't want to heal. I'm not ready to heal yet. And then you need to look at why. Let's take a good look at why are you resisting it? Why are you afraid to? face what is right now in this moment and of course 
where it goes from there, I don't know. It's an art form at some point, really. And you know that as well in your job. It is an art form. When the person comes in, it's not cookie cutter. You have to see what does that person need? Is everybody needs something different at a different level? Absolutely. All the time, you know, the guidelines kill me. As a physician, one of the things, and I, I always tell that to my, our team here, is when they tell me stick to these guidelines, I'm not sure how I can guide, go by these guidelines when every person's stressor personality is different. The output is different. So the input that needs to go in for them to heal is different. And that's why we have all these tests, right? The Colby test, the five love languages, and then the DISC test to see what each personality is and how do you communicate with them because you got to get the message across that all of their illnesses, they are the best doctor and they are the only ones who can heal themselves. And there, but there are very few doctors like you. I, I think there may be more than we're aware of, of course, but I, I haven't run into many like you who will do that. They really want to get in and out of that room fast, you know. I, I've had people complain to me so many times. My doctor didn't even look at me last time I walked in. Went in, they walked into the charts, wrote out a script, and walked right into the next room. They didn't even look at me. Well, you have to remember, physicians are morally fractured, spiritually almost raped, because they get into this profession to help with healing. What they land up doing is a complete. Um, difference you know they walk in not because they're healing they're managing even worse i think you can start giving that's why it's good physicians are going to be replaced by robots because all you need is a computer algorithm and you can get your high blood pressure medication if you meet that algorithm if you follow the algorithm yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, and i you know I understand a little bit of that because there has to be some type of protocol, I suppose, but it's the protocols taken over. That's why on the back, do you remember on the back of this book, this little book? Yeah. I quoted Dr. Sarno from his last book. He said, my medical professors would be shocked and horrified at what has happened to medicine. Yes. The marketplace and economic factors have taken over. Now, but he's, he was really old school. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was looking, but I, I know if today I spoke to my patients like the way he said, you know, that's nothing. You just got a lot of rage. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> I would be in court in no time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have, like you said, you have to at some point. Um, and, of course, I never professed to practice medicine. I've never said that. I've never said I was a therapist. I always make it clear, you know, you're coming to a consultant. Somebody who's experienced it and has, has researched it for decades and written about it. That's what you're getting from me. Okay. And, but you are your own healer at some point. And so, you know, I really admire you. I really do. I've, I've I told you that when I first met yeah, you. You are, you are a true doctor. Oh, you're thank you. Doctor. Thank you so much. And I mean, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, I, I really do appreciate. I know how busy you are. And a lot of this is because I, I see patients over and over again trying to, like you said, obsess over their medical condition and want to know the latest drug, the latest treatment. What is what have they not tried? Why is this not happening? And really, one of the key things is being just be your authentic self. 
the chances are you won't have many problems. And it's the hardest thing to do. I struggle with it every day. I mean, I'm usually pretty authentic. What you see is what you get. But a lot of times I do struggle with things where I'm self-doubting. I'm like, you know, Anita Murjani, the dying to be me. You can see if any of my patients listen to this, every one of them gets that book. I tell them, please buy the audio, listen to it. Yes, because I love the way she talks. She's a yeah. great teacher too. It's just, just so powerful because I think majority of us are Anita Murjani's. Maybe we all don't get cancer, but we invite other problems in our lives because we think we're not enough. Right. Yeah, not good enough and not enough. Exactly. We're in Gabor Mate, Dr. Mate puts it this way. They feel insufficient as human beings. Yes. So yes. they got diseases and pains or they're an alcoholic or a drug addict. You know, they're trying to kill that ins insufficiency. But, you know, uh, Anita Morjani said a few things that are very powerful that I use when I talk. When she said, remember, she was going to come back into the body, but she didn't want to come back into a sick body at one but, point. Yes, yes. But, this was powerful for me when she said, the most important determining factor in my health is my reason to live. Mm -hmm. That is powerful. You know, at one point I was giving well, up. I didn't want to live anymore yet at some point. Everything was going the other way. You're right. you know? But it, it was going its way. It wasn't, it was going, it was going a different way than I wanted it to go. That's the problem. And we think we don't have control over it. And actually, when you look at the blue zone areas where people live past 100 and actually live quality lives, that's the only thing that you can tease out is they had purpose in life. They felt valued by the community. They felt valued by their family. Right. And I, I think that's extremely important. But again, I, the new thing that I tell my patient is when you are feeling like, you know, things are not going your way, write a letter to yourself, which you would open five years from now, you know, what would you have said? Like you are older now by five years. What would you tell this person who was five years younger than you, what the situation actually means and how it's going to define your life? And people say, you know, I never thought of it that way. If I were to advise myself, like if I am now 50 and now when I'm 55, I'm going to tell my 50 year old, Hey, this problem you have today, this is what it means. What would that mean to you? That's pretty and, interesting drill. And, yeah, and people don't think of it that way. In the moment, we are caught up and we think nothing is going to resolve our problems. But actually, when you step back, it's really irrelevant in the, amongst the, you know, the big picture. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good idea. I'm going to have to look into that. <laughs> I, the other way, I've seen it the other way. I've had some psychologists and actually pain specialists hire me to help them with their symptoms and uh they say they do a drill with their patients about if you could see yourself as like a five or six year old what would you say to yourself and it's almost always the same thing you're it's okay you're okay don't worry you're safe and, and ultimately really healing comes down to erasing fear yeah that's what it's coming to teaching yourself Fear and guilt, those are the two feelings. I think if we can take those two out of our lives. Well, I think exactly. And I, in the great pain deception, when I was done writing, I started having doubts about it. Should I publish this or who am I to say this to these people? And I, so I wanted to summarize the book up after 10 years. And uh, I thought about it for weeks. How am I going to summarize it? So I, I said, I'm going to summarize this book in one word. And the word is guilt. Mm. 
guilt. Yes, not not good enough. You know, got to be more. Get angry at yourself for not being good enough. But one of the one of the analysts, it was a Jungian analyst actually that I was working with, and she said to me, "What would you say to yourself, Steve, if you were a little boy and you could meet yourself?" I said, "That's easy. Buy Microsoft." <laughs> by all the apples oh, apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> were there yeah. any questions marina that you had did you understand tms <laughs> she she is new to tms i've you know i've I, heard you heard, yeah talk about it that's about the extent yeah well, do, you, do you want to go over the fundamentals or do you have any yes. questions yes well, I don't think I want a brain anymore. So that's where I'm at right now. This brain business sounds not like it's just going to kill me. You don't want a thinking brain yeah. that analyzes every little thing that comes into your life. And that's, that's the opposite of presence, exactly. You're in fight flight when you're constantly analyzing, rationalizing, calculating. Yeah, yeah. Stress and tension are through the roof. Yeah, definitely. I remember when I was getting my graduate degree, I had one class. It was the mind-body class. I got a C in it. I was like, I'm so over this crap. You know, like, I don't care. They but actually have a class called the mind-body class? Well, it was functional medicine, so, you know, they have to throw oh. that in there. And oh, okay, I got you. It was right on par. You know, I should have expected it. And uh, would never have believed it. And then I started working here, and I'm like, man, you know, everyone comes in with these symptoms. You ask them, when did this start? It's always, it's always something. Like, it's never just, oh, it just started out of nowhere. No, it's, and that's right. You got that when I said that earlier. I, I, I. I had a guy a few years ago lo in a local restaurant walk up to me. I could see him dragging his leg and holding his back like this, and he's in pain. I could see it. Took him a long time to get up to me, and uh, he he got there. He said to me, "You know that guy over there on the other side of the restaurant told me you wrote a book on pain." I said, "I did." When's your divorce? <laughs> and he stood there staring at me, but not saying anything for it seemed like a long time. He said, "How could you have known that?" He goes, "My wife and I have just decided." We haven't told a family member or anybody. I said, well, just from my experience, it was something like that. They're either somebody's getting a divorce, somebody's just died, or you're getting your master's or your doctorate. Those are the top ones that I see, right? <laughs> something where there's a lot of demands on you or something's come apart in your life. Mm. I just got lucky that night. I just threw that out there, you know, and uh, I happened to be right on that. But somebody's usually sick or dying or something like that, which is tragic, but it's part of being, you know, if you think about it all the time, it's going to destroy you. Mm -hmm. And I to... think that's, that's a hard part. I think people who worry a lot tend to have a slew of problems. Yes. And yes. if you can stop worrying, and worrying comes usually from fear. Sometimes it's shame or guilt. And I don't know the difference between shame and guilt. Um, they seem to be going hand in hand. Yeah. But I think if you can overcome fear, I really think you can overcome a lot a in life. Point. You know, my, I thought about this for weeks. What, how am I going to summarize this book up in one word? Because if they hadn't gotten it by 400 pages, they're in trouble. At this point. Or I'm in trouble, but I didn't write a good book. And, and I asked my editor, who was a medical doctor himself. He was a great editor and a medical doctor. One of the, one of the founders of the wellness movement in the world. And I went to one of the TMS doctors that I really admire, and they said, that's exactly what we see. It's guilt. Mm. But the, my editor said, you need to put in parentheses behind that word shame. Mm. Because they are the same thing from different directions. Right. Guilt, guilt is something personal that I have not lived up to the standards that I set for my life. You know, and, and as a perfectionist, you never can. It's impossible. <laughs> so you're always guilt-ridden, you know. 
why did I eat that? I should, I should have gone to the gym. I shouldn't have yelled. <laughs> I, I should be visiting my parents more. It's never ending neurotic guilt, right? And which is a good as does. But shame is a rejection by society. You know, they have rejected me. That's very painful. You know, I've done something wrong. And look at this world today. These poor kids live with cell phones every second of the I, I don't know how they do it. I know. It, it is going to destroy that generation for years to come. Yes. And, um, you know, my kids are in that generation. And it's, uh, I remember the one year my son went off social media was the most peaceful year I ever had. <laughs> his whole focus was he needed to get into college of his choice. And I remember he cut out social media and I think it was the greatest we were able to talk to him and a lot of things, but it's, it's the hardest thing I think for all of us. Yeah. Um, and I also realize it's also a distraction, obsession, TMSing. Any, when you don't like things or stressed out, constantly keep looking at it repeatedly. Yeah. It's a distraction away from the reality you are not willing to face. Exactly. This is the present moment. That's why presence is the ultimate answer. It takes practice. It takes, you have to learn how to do it. But in between, there are intermediary steps. Like I said, that journaling sometimes will release this feeling from people or maybe good, a good therapist or something like that. But ultimately, you know, that's just a temporary fix. Journaling yeah. People get things off their chest and they say, oh, I feel better. Journaling yeah. answer. And then about six months later, it's back and they're journaling again, you know. And so <laughs> I think permanently it is it is this, uh, what used to be called mindfulness, but it's a terrible term. We got rid of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, Nothing yeah. The mind is full. It's, um, <laughs> it's really mindlessness. It's basically <laughs> mindlessness. Empty. The Buddha said, empty yourself of yourself. That's how he phrased it, which means, you know, of this notion of separateness, you're living in this moment. And St. Paul said, I die every day. I'm so full of joy because I die every day, he said, which means yesterday's gone, you know? Yeah. Today's a new day today in this moment. Get rid of the ego. It should be I die every second. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Every moment, moment by moment, I die and I live in this moment as a great gift. But, you know, they asked, Somebody asked Anita Morjani, you know, what would she do if she got sick again? Mm -hmm. And she gave a great answer. It's the same thing I would do if I got TMS again. You know, I would do the exact opposite of what I did before, she said. The perfect opposition to it. She was, I went and gathered all the information, you know, everything, you know, what, yeah. how should I heal and start talking to all these experts. I would do the opposite. I would start to undo things in my life. Mm-hmm. If I started getting TMS pain again, the first thing I would do is, all right, what am I doing that I don't want to do? All right, I'm taking on this stuff, you know, and I would start to release things at some point. That's how I would heal. It's amazing. And so, so that, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, so if people were to start and, you know, they say, okay, I want to see what this TMS is. Yes. They, what would be the very first thing that you would tell them? Where can they get the best information in the shortest time um, before they, you know, jump into it a little? Because, you know, like you said, most people, it took you five years to get to Dr. Um, Sarno's work or even accept it. I remember, I think there was a statement in your book. You, you threw the book against the fireplace. Yeah, yeah. The second book. Yeah. I, yeah. I was when you're laying on your back with your legs up over a physio ball, you know, those big physio balls, yes. I said, 
I've spent most of my life doing that. You have to bend the spine of the books, you know, so they won't flip, flip closed again. So I was always doing that in the pages we get this. I threw his book because I saw what he was trying to say. There's just nothing wrong with me. Mm. That offended me. Like it offends everybody every day. It does. It does. Oh, try telling a person who's in a, you know, so much pain. There's nothing wrong with you. It's all in your head. They think you're accusing them of malingering and that's not what this is no we're not saying that you know we're trying to help them at some point you know and dr sofer the tms physician who had written the foreword for the great pain deception he said he had a patient who he told he looked at his charts and he talked to him he said you know there's nothing wrong with your back he said he got up and stormed out of my office and slammed the door on the way out swearing you know he said a few days later he came back and uh, apparently he went home and he told his wife that he just walked out on the family doctor. And his wife said, you know, you get back there and apologize to him. He's been good to us for 20 years. He's been nice to us. He's taking care of our kids. So he came back. He said, I'm willing to listen. His wife told him he better go listen. <laughs> and he said, I showed him Dr. Sarno's book and some other TMS information. And he healed. healed. Yeah. That's simple. Yeah. But it's, it's offensive to ego. Ego, just think of ego as a circulating thought process. That's all. Ego is born from experience. And what we've seen in our lives, we believe is true and that it's all there is to see, right? And what I, if I don't know it, it can't be real. It can't be true. That's ego. It casts a shadow between the light of truth, right? And so when we start to open up beyond the way we see it, if you want to heal, this is the thing I'm saying, most people do not want to heal. And they get very mad when I say that, but it's true. They don't want to heal, okay? If they will, they will look into this work. They will go why, to, they, why do you think they don't want to heal? What is stopping them? Well, beyond ego, I guess, beyond ego. You know, it's, 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 I don't believe it, you know, they're saying, so it can't be true. What's well, just wrong? Because I did the same thing and I was wrong. Beyond that, I think the wound is so deep. You know, oh. the, the emotional abandonment is so painful that they would rather walk with a limp forever and not have to face the fact that their mother and father weren't close with them or hurt them somehow. I don't know. I'm not a therapist. I don't go into it that deeply. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's definitely, they don't want to, okay. they don't want to, or they would look into this. They don't say, Hey, why, are, why is everybody looking into it healing or getting much, much better? Why are they, you know, there's something there. And if they do want to heal, they'll start. That's the first thing they'll do is to start looking at Dr. Sarno's book or my book, of course, Mm -hmm. You know, and the, the wall of TMS healing wall of victory, of course, those are. That's an awesome one, by the way. Yeah, that was, that was one of Joe Polish's friends that told me, you've got to just show these people all these terrible cases that are healing. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. amazing. Uh, I mean, some of those stories are just amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah. The, the last couple went on there were just, they, it, it's, it's, they're very moving for me to watch those. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the woman had a brain tumor, the young lady, you know, and they drove screws into her hips because they told her this insane diagnosis that I hear all the time. You have pelvic tilt or unstable pelvis. It's just insane at some point. They have carte blanche to make up any term that they want to. It's not real at all, but they just make it up. You know, I, my favorite one, I keep a list, by the way, of all mm -hmm. the insane diagnoses. I'm going to publish. Right, right. My favorite one is this guy had eye pain which is very common in TMS. They have trouble looking left or right. His optometrist told him, your eyes hurt because they're too close together. What? <laughs> That's what he told him. They're too close together. I could not stop laughing. I said, I'm sorry, I'm not laughing at your personal pain, but that's insane what your doctor just said there. They're too close together. <laughs> we want to have the answers to every problem that you tell us. 
Yeah, and Dr. Sarno said, that's right. The modern physicians are treating their patients like car mechanics. You know, put them up on the rack, change the oil, look at this, pull this, that, and then put them down. <laughs> the physical body is just a structure. That's all it is. This is a structure. It's run on emotions and thoughts and feelings. That's what runs it. That's its fuel. And so you have to get into that. It's a deeper healing, of course. Any placebo treatment can come along, you know. George Harrison, that great Beatle, he was my favorite Beatle, the guitar player, George Harrison. He wrote a song called, If if You Don't Know Where You're Going, Any Road Can Take You There. Yes, that's true. Yeah, it's a great song title. And so the same thing with this work, right? If you don't, if you just try this and the doctor says, oh, if you just don't grab things like this anymore, grab them like this. You'll start to feel better when you go home. It has nothing to do with anything. You, your awareness is now on that. Right. And so it's bizarre at some point. And that's why my subtitle is called Faulty Medical Advice is Making Us Worse. It's not just not helping us. It's actually making us worse. People, right. If you buy into the notion that this is causing this and that, you're in trouble there. At some point, you know, you've, you're, you're lost. You're lost. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, I, I, you, know, you know better than I do because they come to you as a medical physician. but. Right. They're, not, they're lost when they come to you. You know, they don't like to move a chair because they say, I don't have a good back and I don't want to do, I don't want to carry a suitcase. I don't want to push. I, when I travel, I got to have a specific kind of bag because my back would give out on me. And it's just very sad. They live their life with limitations. Yes. And yes. it's a very mediocre life. And they accept it because they believe they're defective in some way. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how much I so badly want to tell them, you're not all that you're telling me that you are. And so in many ways, yeah, my, my job, because like I said, since I have a license, I have to make sure, like you said, I have to exclude everything else. And then I can hound them about their thought process. Right. It makes sure they're not in danger. Make sure right. they're not, first do no harm, right? Hippocratic. Right. And I don't miss a major diagnosis. That's very important. Yes. Now, but when I find a major diagnosis, unfortunately, they go into that route, right? I have to send them to the specialist. They go through the treatment. I've lost them, basically. Yes. But I always tell people, it doesn't matter what your diagnosis is, have your, either your life coach or therapist or your functional medical doctor walk you parallel with your main doctor because there is something that we can find that's different. Right. You know, and you know, like Deepak Chopra said, you know, we've got cancer cells all the time. We just kill them yes. off. Yes. Uh, we just kill them off. Yes. Everybody's got it. It's the good, healthy, strong immune system. So the thing is to boost the immune system. And that is through laughter, you know, and, and presence and uh, gratitude and things like that. But, but like, once again, sometimes the effect, the symptom can be dangerous and kill you. So you have to sometimes take care of the symptom. Right. You can't dismiss it. And so, you know, we tell people, go to your doctor, as Dr. Sarno would say, but take it with a grain of salt. What they yeah. Tell yeah. No, I always tell people diabetes is a symptom. It's not a disease. It's right. And we know that, you know, in my third book, I talked about that article the New York Times had. Those people had split personalities. Yeah. Uh, true split personalities. And in one personality, they had diabetes and the other, they didn't. So we know it can't be the body. It can't be from, it's coming from some trauma. Something's dysfunctional consciousness is being blocked there. Some people had allergies in one personality and not allergies in the other personality. So it's not coming from the body. It can't be. Right. 
Right. So let's say they come across your book, they watch the documentary, All the Rage, and they still feel like, you know what, I'm not getting any better. This is not getting any better. I truly have something. It's just that the doctors have not found it. How do they find a TMS consultant? Yes. Well, they can find me. Yes, that's true. (laughs) That is steveozanich.com. They go there to book an appointment, correct? I'm sure if they want to, they can find me. I'm sure I'm all over the place right now. I don't, I never wanted to be, but I am here. I'm here, you know. Um, you know, Dr. Sarno, he's so famous now, internationally famous. I work with people, probably 60% of them are outside of the United States now that I work with. And his books are translated into like 20 languages now. They're, they're healing. They're yeah. all his books yeah. and their languages, you know, and they're so happy and They've got tears in their eyes that they're they're free again from that from this thing that they themselves have created, you know. But I'm not blaming anybody here. I'm not blaming you. I'm just making you aware that there's nothing really wrong here, you know. And so, but we have to be careful once again. Got to be safe. Yeah. That's the most yeah. important thing. Yeah, you know, patient, yeah. Patient safety is first. But what is the oldest patient you've seen, and what is the youngest patient you've seen? Um, I would say the oldest one, there are several of them in their 80s, mid-80s, that wow. had crippling back pain that couldn't walk up one step, couldn't open doors, things like that. They're fine now. They're doing yeah. fine. It's yeah. not, a, not an aging problem, you know. We will get slower as we age, and we will eventually, uh, the cells oxidize. That's why we age and die. We, the, the oxygenation, you know, it just wears it out. Our body wears out at some point. But this, these pains, you know, they're not coming from aging. Right. Like, healing that is true i always say that age has nothing to do with disease yeah these people in their 80s are golfing again they mm-hmm. send me send me pictures of them golfing at the golf courses where they couldn't get out of bed um and the youngest one oh 17 i think it was a 14 year old you know i tell these people and i can't even talk to you until you tell your parents yeah 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 talk to you you're not even 18 years old yet and they said oh, they go get the parents i'll do whatever you can with them you know mm. but i would say 14 i think maybe was the youngest, but they're too young to understand ego, conflict, right. super ego. They can't, they're identified wholly with their mind. They're, they're unawake at some point. They, they, they can't see the observer inside of us that's observing this life. They think they are this person. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. So I think maybe late teens are the ones that can start to maybe get it. But I think the most common age that contacts me is almost always between 30 and 35, I think that is the age. They're starting to have children and they've got in their houses and their careers are taking up, which Dr. Sarno called the age of responsibility. Mm. You know, that's that span. Yeah, but you know, it could be any age, really, at some point. I think in, nobody in the 90s yet, but I think at that point they figure, what the hell? I've lived 90 years with this deep pain. A couple <laughs> more weeks. Longer. Yeah, that's right. A couple more months is going to matter at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that is so true. He called it a cradle to grave disorder. Cradle to grave disorder, yeah. Diaper to, to diaper. Yeah, we used to call it uh, uh, growing pains in little kids, right? But it was sciatica from anxiety. The wow. kids are really nervous about going to school, and they don't want to go to school the next day. And they're rubbing their legs, you know, oh, it's from growing. It was a ridiculous diagnosis. They're growing. Grow, growth helps us to heal. It doesn't hurt us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had knee pain when I was in like elementary school. I wonder what it was from now. Yeah, it must have been bullied or so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was able to get out. <laughs> uh, you know, other kids, you know, a lot of people who are bullied contact me, of course, because that rage of separation, shame, you know, and the guilt. And, uh, yeah. and adults get bullied as well. 
So it, it could have been anything, you know, you wouldn't have been aware of the cause of it. It's usually just leaving the parents to go to school that day. The kids get very anxiety ridden. Oh, that was my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, you may, maybe she's a good example. Maybe if I worked with her, got deeper into it hour by hour, she <laughs> not want to. Because we say things consciously, and it's the opposite. We feel yeah. the opposite. That's true. That's, true. That's why his last book was called The Divided Mind. The Divided Mind. Yeah. You know, so I don't know, you know, don't, don't buy into that right away until you look deeper into it. But if you're healthy right now, I wouldn't look into anything. I would just, yeah, that is true. Live in the moment. And if today you are good, you're good. But if there's a fear that's holding you back to live to your fullest potential, I think you need to look at a different route. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Yes. You and know, I think don't ever accept a mediocre life. I, I I say this all the time to people. Don't don't. There is nothing in your way that tells you, keeps you where you are, keeps you sick, or keeps you crippled for any reason other than your mind. Move out of your way. It's well said again. You know, and I can't. Of course, I can't praise Doctor Sarno enough because he was so kind and compassionate to write those books to tell people. Yeah. He said, you know, I think it was in Healing Back Pain, most people will never understand what a soft, comfortable mattress feels like because they bought into the notion that they need a firm, hard mattress to sleep on. Because every time that I did not sleep on a firm mattress, if I was in a hotel, mm -hmm. I would wake up with sciatica because I believed the soft mattress was hurting my back. Yeah. I, yeah. I sleep on anything. Now I can sleep on the floor or on a soft Yeah, mattress. yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. It's, it's the state of mind that you're in when you sleep. Calm, restful sleep. You can sleep on a bed of nails if at some point. Buddhist monks do that for some reason. Right. right. I said in my book, I do that. They must not have televisions, I said <laughs> in my first book. Why would you sleep on a bed of nails? But, um, you know, it has nothing to do with it, those things. You know, it, it's the state of mind, the state of well-being, peace, harmony, mind, body, spirit. The reduction of the conflict, the acceptance of the way things are. Ah, this just beautiful moment that we're in right now. It is a beautiful moment. Right now, you and I are talking. It's a beautiful moment. There's not a problem in the world. Right. Absolutely. That until is awesome. Mind, until the thinking comes in. That is awesome. Yeah, it is awesome, you know. So I don't know if you have any questions or anybody has any questions or if you do. No, a lot of people commenting. Somebody said they just got your book. They're reading it. And they, I can't look. Uh, let me just see how to do this. I'm going to see if there are any questions here. And uh, well, maybe that lady next to you has one while you're looking. <laughs> this <laughs> um, oh, at this part, yeah. Yeah, this is the part of the next part. Housing oh. the slide bar down. Yeah, yeah let's see. Can't seem to get a handle on my nervous system. This woman that's reading your book. Hardest part is not having fear, not caring about the outcome. That is so true. Yeah. I think that is something that requires practice, like we said about being. Right, right. And then uh, it, it can get complicated, I suppose. Um, but to understand what fear is, I think it's important. You know, it's, it's the absence of love. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's yeah. the absence of it. You know, love is this piece of state of knowing and oneness and connectedness that, you know, you, you can see everything clearly, you understand that the other person is you and I am them, you know, that is it. The more you love yourself, the fear begins to fade. 
away. But the practice of the presence is very important. Love is part of presence, of course, because love is connection, it's oneness. You know, one of the things that reminds me, we hear of these stories where a mother, if the child is getting, like, child gets caught under a big refrigerator that fell on it or a car and where the mother actually can lift this heavy thing, but she doesn't know where she got the strength from, that was love. She didn't have time to analyze whether she's going to be able to lift this up. She's going to break her back. Nothing. It was just a yeah. reflex of love. It's unlimited and that's power. The innate, innate strength within us once you realize l- what love is. That is, yeah, that's right. It is unlimited power. Yogananda said that there's enough uh, power in the tip of your finger to destroy yes. the planet. That is true. That's right, because it's love. When you connect the source, there's there's no nothing you cannot do at some point. And so we and I talked about this before. These people should not feel like victims to their pain and disease. Get control, get power, get empowered again. You, that's one of Nita's main messages, of course. Empower yourself. You can do it. Right. Absolutely. And somebody else said, so true. Friends and loved ones do not want to consider TMS. And that's the ego. That's what we spoke about, right? And that's um, the, I talk about this every day. They're so frustrated. Their friends and family do not want to hear it. They'll look at today and they'll nod into what you're telling them about your story. And then they'll go, oh, but mine's real. <laughs> mine's real, they'll say. Well, mine was real too. I had a paralyzed leg, you know? Yeah, that is true. It is actually a physical finding. And, um, you know, that, that confidence that this can get resolved has to come from within the patient. I always tell people, if you don't have the belief that this is going to work, it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. true. And it, it does come down to belief. Like the guy who was in the wheelchair with the morphine pump, and he believed yeah. that the, the, the pill the had... The pill, yes. Yeah. yeah, you know, that, there's that rabbi, Benzion Scheinfeld, that's on YouTube talking about Dr. Sarno. It's really amazing. He, his back was so bad that he, he couldn't function anymore. It, it, they, the MRI showed that the disc had broken off, fragmented off. And four doctors told him, you, if you don't get surgery right away, you're going to be paralyzed, okay? Which I had heard, of course, and I was paralyzed. And, but he heard about this doctor, he said, in New York that talked to this guy, and he got better. He said, I never heard anything more ridiculous in my life. And he was afraid of surgery like me. So he went to Dr. Sarno, he said. He said, I took my film in and I showed him the film and he looked at it. And he said, son, there's nothing wrong with your back at all. Nothing. (laughs) He said, I start defending it now. You know, no, come on. Look at the ball. Look at the fragment. It's broken off right there. And Dr. Sarno said he could show him a thousand MRIs that looked the same. He said, that's not why you have back pain. So he went to his seminar at night. And two days later, he said he never had pain again, 23 years or something like that later, never had back pain again. It's not coming from the physical body. As long as you buy into that notion, you're in trouble, you're in trouble, you know? And, you know, so, hey, now, once again, there are always anomalies. Yes. <laughs> There's always that one anomaly. And then everybody wants to point to that anomaly. See, 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 because they don't want to heal. Okay. Of That's course, it. something weird can happen. Of course, something weird can happen. I, I did see a guy who was in his mid-90s, back just crumbled on itself and fell right on top of itself. You know, you need, they needed to go in and brace it up and things like, yes, 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 yes. Not, not everything is. But now that I just gave everybody an out. When yes. I, 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 oh, we see, not everything is mine, is it? But it's not you at some point, you know. But it, once again, it's an art form as a physician. And people like you are brave people. You know, you have to 
do the protocols and then you have to then approach them gently. What do you think that this could be, you know, this then hope at some point? Well, you know, this, we could talk about this for hours. Yeah. Months. Months. I, I mean, it would never end because there are a lot of people suffering, but I'm hoping at least one or two of them who've heard about this and who are listening to you talk, at least it gives them a starting point saying, you know, maybe I should look into this as I'm working with my doctor and yeah. see how I can help myself. Yes. And I, and statistically from all the interviews that I've done, you know, somebody will, one or two people will, and it will transform their lives forever. And so we did good here today. And I really want you guys to post it on our Facebook page. If this did help you a month from now, a year from now, it doesn't matter, but make sure you let us know. I'm sorry. You, were you going to say something, Steve? No, no, I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm trying to figure out how to do this myself. <laughs> I'm not really good at Facebook. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. But we will actually share it on your page too. Um, or we can give you, I, I actually tagged you on this. So you can actually share it on your Facebook page if somebody wants to actually searching for you comes across that. Yes. You know, and there are, there are examples everywhere of people healing. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're looking for this, it's countless. I mean, I, this is just so many. And thank you for being a brave medical doctor and helping spread the TMS word. Thank you so much, Kira. I do appreciate you saying that. There's somebody, uh, you know, the person who was saying that she would like to get some help is really appreciating this. So I, all I can say is I really thank you so much for taking all this time to explain. I think people got it that this is something that they can work and find a resolution. They just have to let it be yes. and accept their life and themselves as they are today. And I think in addition to reading Steve's book and seeing the documentary, All the Rage, I really highly recommend Dying to Be Me by Anika Murjani. Because I think for me, that made me connect a lot of my patients to what I was unable to resolve for them. I mean, I, I had met you by then and after that I read her book, but it was like the same messages are coming through with this, her near death experience, if nobody knows what the book is about and Steve's book, The Great Pain Deception. Both of them are absolutely phenomenal. Yours is not on audiobook as yet, right, Steve? Not yet. I've, I'm yeah. recording it. The, the other two are, but not that one. Yeah, okay. she, I sent her the Great Pain Deception with a signed copy, Anita. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. she's reading it right now. I'd like to do a show with her. That would be really cool. That would be awesome. Just let me know when you do do that, because I would love to listen to that. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's saying the same things that I am saying from a more dramatic standpoint. You know, she crossed over. Yeah, she crossed over. I mean, it, a lot of us, I think, intuitively know that we're not headed in the right direction in many ways, but we just don't know how to put the brakes and make a change. Right. Yeah, exactly right. That's, think of pain and disease as an escape. You're trying to get away somehow. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then a lot of the times when I first start working with people, they're always in motion like this. <laughs> and that chiropractor, he was walking around his desk. He couldn't sit down. You're always in motion. And think of that, the disease and pain that way. You're, you're trying to get away somehow. I don't like what I, I'm seeing here. But we have to, once again, we have to be careful. We might have to treat it just to protect the pr person first. That's the most important thing. Which is what I always tell my patients. I have to do the testing to make sure I'm not missing something serious. 
once that is set aside, let's dig deep. And yeah. that's what we do. There was another chiropractor who uh, I mentioned in my third book. He, uh, he His name was Steve as well. He had stage four cancer at uh, 25 years old. And, wow. you know, there really was much more they could do. But uh, he's fine now. I know he sent me a beautiful email. I had tears in my eyes reading this thing. You know, it's just amazing. He said, I can now see with a greater prism. What was, what happened to me? Mm. He went into the field for his father. He wasn't doing it for him. You know, he, he was dying to be himself also. Mm -hmm. He was, he wanted to get that respect and praise and things like that. And he's much happier now. And he lets things go. You know, he tells me of it. He writes me once in a while, telling me about how he enjoyed the day, just a beautiful day, you know. So this is it. Slow down this mind. Slow it down. You know, yeah. your brain can't figure out how to get it out, out of it. So it's it's creating this disease because it's a last resort effort. It's life energy turned in on itself somehow, you know. And I'm not saying I could always stop everything either, but I now know what the causes are. Yeah. So I have a better shot at it in myself than I could ever have had before, you know. And so look, if you want to heal. Look at this work. You really do. It, it, he changed the world forever. But, you know, he's not the only one doing the work, you know, but he's passed away. But there are other people doing different variations of it, you know. But um, I, I've seen people heal from everything. It's really, really fun. Yes, it is. It is fun when you actually get the result you're wanting. And hopefully, from a patient standpoint, you want to heal when you're reaching out to a TMS practitioner or you're reaching out to a physician who thinks this way. And when, once that thought process is that that intention is set, I think healing is very, very easy. Right. And um, you're in what, Novi, Michigan? Is that where you yeah, are? Dubai, yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, I send people that way. Hopefully they follow through. Yeah. Um, Dr. Dr. Gwatz is in New Jersey. He's one of the best. Andrea Siegel, she was a good friend of Dr. Sarno's and a medical doctor in Washington, D.C. Okay. So there's a handful, not a whole lot that, I, that I'm aware of, but they're out there. But ultimately, it will be them that will heal themselves. Absolutely. We always say we help you find your best doctor, and that is you. Yes, they give him a mirror. Give him a mirror. There's your, you want to see your best doctor? Here, you're looking at this mirror. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll get a lot of emails about this, about how much this has helped people. Yeah, hopefully, you know, like I said, if we helped one person here today, we did good. Yes, I agree. Because every life's important. I appreciate it very much. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll continue to talk uh, off screen at some point uh, once again. And thank you again. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All righty then. If you've listened to this podcast fully, I would like to hope you have gained some new knowledge, a different way of thinking, and have benefited from it. If so, would you please do me a favor and share this with your family and friends? I do, however, want to mention that nothing that is stated in this podcast or written in the show notes should be construed as medical advice. We would like you as an individual to seek your medical advice from your specific provider. Our goal has all along been to dig into some existing truths, try and make it simple, so we all have a better understanding of our options out there to live fulfilling lives. It may be also prudent for me to mention the obvious here that no doctor-patient relationship was ever formed. 
In closing, I am grateful that you joined us and please do not forget to leave a review or share this info. Signing off till next time, I'm your host, Dr. Nisha Chalam.